is Friday, September 18th, 2020. You're listening to the Tanaka Cast, your look at baseball through the lens of Masahiro Tanaka and his many starts. I'm Dan, and I'm joined by Barra. Hey, everyone. A lot of stuff to discuss today. Tanaka, playoffs, uh, the, bu- uh, the, the bubble, uh, way, way too many home runs. Uh, so we should get down into it. Absolutely, and why don't you take it away and talk through Tanaka's win on Thursday or yesterday? So it was interesting. Um, one, uh, the ML, and we are unfortunately not sponsored by this, but uh, I use the MLB.com app to uh, to listen to games typically. Um, mm-hmm. What I didn't realize um, is, is that, because uh, I was considering, oh, maybe I'll just uh, buy it at the end of the season now so I can watch in the playoffs tour, because it's like it's three bucks a month for radio and it's like 24 or something for uh, uh, for for TV. It's like oh, maybe I'll just watch it on TV uh, for at the end. But it turned out that yesterday's game was free with the app. You have a free game every every day, and Blue Jays. Uh, and it turned out to be a Tanaka game. And it's it's definitely. I want to get into it like kind of like the difference between enjoying the game, uh, uh, the radio as opposed to um, in print, as opposed to in person or over the. Um, or uh, or on TV, that was a different experience, and I will say that Tanaka had a pretty solid start. I mean, he went he went seven innings, longest he's gone for his uh, for for the for this season. He's never gone beyond five uh, this this season. I think maybe it was because they were like trying to uh, they were cho- they were trying to go easy on him, and then circumstances just didn't lend it to it, but. He's bat. He pitched seven innings. He allowed three runs. Two of them were two solo shots from the same <laughs> from the same Toronto batter, uh, which you know after the press conference he kicked himself about. Uh, but he had like he sat down six in the first two innings. And it looked like it was going to be a lights out. Then he got in trouble. They allowed him to tie the game and tie the game in the third. Uh, and uh, then the and you know, then he gets out clean. And the fourth, and then the Yankees just decide, oh yeah, we're gonna have five players hit five home runs in an inning. <laughs> which, which uh, was incredibly entertaining, especially since I had uh, two of them on my fantasy teams, on the Gardner and Luke Voigt. Uh, but it was also just like it was wild. It starts out with Brett Gardner going yardy, which you know it's it's nice to just like think, like Brett Gardner has been on the Yankees since two thousand flipping nine. Um, the old man is a position is like a position player at the moment. I think he's pro, probably this may be his last year with the organization. But uh, it's nice to see him go yardy, as John Sterling said. Then DJ LeMahieu takes advantage of the short porch, gets another one, and then, <laughs> Luke Voigt. It's another monster home run. He is like twenty. It's the most in the uh, in the major leagues. Uh, he had the lead already, and then he's like, oh, add another. Then Aaron Hicks strikes out, and then Giancarlo Stanton homer, then Glaber Torres homer. So, by all said and done, Tanaka's coming back to a nice 9-2 lead. Um, he does give up another solo shot uh, in, I believe, the fifth, but then he gets out that, but then he gets out of it and uh, goes on to pitch two uh, to, to pitch two more innings, which seems to again go in with Boone's uh, feelings about a. Uh, wanting to let the starting pitchers go longer and to be honest uh, that seemed to be pretty correct hold it seemed like Jonathan Holder I was not following it on TV at that time because I'm I had a call with my union uh, but 
uh, it seemed like what happened was is that Holder let people get on base and uh, let it get into a save situation, so they had to bring in Chapman. Uh, so it was, and they had the tying runs on base. They managed, uh, but Chapman got two out, and it was a, ended up becoming a ten-seven. Uh, it was a ten-seven win. Uh, interestingly enough, this was not even of the Toronto series, which you know we talked about this beforehand. After when the Yanks had won five in a row in last cast, we're like, okay, this is going to be very different optics depending on whether Tanaka is trying going for the sweep, going for the win, or trying to be the stop, going for the majority, or trying to be the stopper. And with the, and then you know, despite that offensive history making fireworks, uh, this was actually the least. This is the closest game by far. The Toronto lost thirteen to two on the sixteenth and twenty to six on the fifteenth. Uh, the Yankees hit six run home runs or more. They hit seven on seventeen in three straight games. They just murdered them. <laughs> That's a word for it for sure. It, it is. It is interesting to me though in this game that you look back on it and you say, "Yeah, it was a good victory." The Yankees bats were were, were good, but it really took ten runs. I mean, it was only the the score was only ten seven. Yes. When, yes. When, when all is said and done, and it's not, no real fault of Tanaka's, but it's it is it is pretty crazy that once they once they get rid of the starting pitching, and you know it really is a crapshoot what's going to happen. I mean that could have just as easily gotten even further out of control, um, and then the the Blue Jays are right back in a, a ten run game. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's 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 pretty it's pretty crazy. And yeah, it's like again you said, it's no fault of Tank. I mean. So, uh, seven innings, three pay. It's quality start. It did slightly raise his ERA from three point one six to three point two seven, but you know, I think that's just a testament to how good his year has been. That you know, you go one inning above a quality start, and you now your ERA is still going so. So it's like, um, he was. So yeah. So I think that. Yeah, it's a. But it is a fascinating thing that like I don't think. If you had said the Yankees bullpen is going to be their big weakness this year, and it's going to be a source of trouble, that most people would have taken you seriously. I mean, when you think of the Yankees, you I as a Yankees fan, I think of closing pitching going back from the Mario Rivera days is like a big part of what makes a Yankees team a Yankees team. Does that as a Red Sox fan is that something that you also see about the Yankees about their their dedication to having like good closers and a good bullpen. I would agree with that. I'd also say that you have Chapman, right? So you on paper, you are still following that mentality. Yes. What, what, what I, what I will say though, is if the Yankees are going to have a weakness this year from the outside looking in, it would be your bullpen. Mm -hmm. I don't see a world where your offense or your starting pitching is a problem. I would um, more so than your bullpen. Yeah, and I think it's what's interesting though is that I think it's it's I should have said that the close because you know Chapman's still a pretty excellent closer and we also have like uh, and Britton is typically you know also lights out. He filled in for Chapman at the beginning of the season was great, um, and he was the amazing closer in Baltimore. What's been more of an issue is just like our mid guys, and I think beforehand mm -hmm. the plan was just you can go five innings and then we'll send four people out and it's gonna like boom, boom, boom. Like the plan was Chad Green to Adam Adovino to Britton to Jetman, and you know people blow it 
always, but it's just been a combination of like, I think Otto has not been pretty solid. Chad Green does have times where he just blows up and it just, that plan has not been consistent. So I think that one of the adjustments that Boone did was like, okay, let's just start the, trust the starters more. And then we're just going to roll the dice less so we don't have one of our bullpen guys have a bad game and like fuck up a winnable game. Um, Cause having, when you have a bunch of studs, Making making sure that like two of them are on as opposed to uh, as opposed to four is a lot different. Right. So it's a. Uh, what do you think? I mean, I don't think you so do. I don't think you saw the ends because it's been in the middle of Celtics basketball season. <laughs> but uh, you know, from reading the reports, and stuff, what do you think about this like giant power display that the Yankees did in this uh, did in this series? Uh, perfectly honest, if, if thinking about it again from the outside looking in. It feels like Yankees baseball right now. Mm. I mean, obviously, you're you know you you have Stanton back in, um, so that's that's obviously probably going to provide a bit of a spark. When did he when did he start? When did he enter the lineup again? I believe he entered the lineup at the beginning of the series. Although right. Stanton's been hitting well, but like the main spark plug of this offense has been it's kind of been the dual spark plug of DJ LeMahieu just like getting on base yep. swinging that bat sometimes hitting little pop pop homers I mean the guy is just a master with the bat like no one else in the game right now and then Luke Voigt who's just hitting like a monster mm-hmm. uh, and it, what's interesting too is that you know like D, Giancarlo Stanton is you know one example of like a giant money Yankees signing but uh, Voight and LeMahieu were both like I think LeMahieu got a decent deal, not incredible. And Voight I think was actually acquired uh, for a pretty small amount. I mean, one of the things is that and you know like look at Gio Urshela, who I think coming back into the lineup makes it so like the Yankees don't have to pay play bad players to help fill in the infield. Uh, Urshela was done for like got got for cash considerations, and then he became this awesome offensive. But in addition to being just a Hoover at third base, uh, you know Aaron Hicks has not been so good this year. But again, developed Gleyber Torres and Clint Frazier both were good prospects that came through with trades and stuff. But the Yankees' development system really made it. So I mean, I think that like yes, the Yankees bought Cole, and yes, anybody who's a fan of the Yankees or the Red Sox or the Dodgers is just going to have to eat that. Yeah, they spend a lot more than other teams. Like you know, there's. There's no, <laughs> or the Cubbies for that matter. Like you know, if you're one of the big wealthy teams that want to win something, they can flex and make that happen. But I will also say that it's what pr- it's pretty cool to see that a lot of the Yankees' best stars have come up through the de- through the development the, through their development system, and where they've acquired and then made into stars. Uh, I think that there's a. Uh, there's a reason why they were able to get under the luxury tax, and there's a reason why they were able to compete with, uh, with like you know, with like this combination of like money pieces and pieces that are um, that were really developed. Um, I don't know Brian Cashman's good at his job, at least in my opinion. Yeah, and I mean, you know, you're the hot, you know, you, just, you still have the highest payroll, right? So I think the Dodgers do. Oh, the Dodgers do now. Okay, uh, I, I know it's neck and neck with y'all. The Red Sox still have a really high payroll, and they're doing nothing with it. So I think the fact that you're right in this playoff race and hitting well and pitching well, and at least in your starting rotation, is is a sign of, of, of that. So I'm looking at the 20... Okay, at the beginning of the 2020 season, 
The New York Yankees had the highest combined payroll in the league, amounting to two hundred fifty-four million. The Marlins had fifty-nine. So yeah, Yankees were two fifty-four. Dodgers were two twenty-seven. Astros were two fifteen. Red Sox were one ninety-one. Cubs were one ninety. Phillies at one eighty-three. Angels one fifty-seven. Nationals. Yeah. So most. So yes, Yankees definitely still definitely have the highest payroll, for for sure. But yeah. Uh, but yeah, I still think that their development is fairly fairly, fairly impressive. Agreed. But, uh, yeah. Uh, flip side. I mean, look, the Yankees have the the fourth highest payroll, and look where they are this year. So it, it's. it's you, mean uh, the, you mean the the Red Sox? Yeah. Sorry, did I say the Yankees? I meant the Red Sox. Yeah, the Red Sox are um, have the fourth highest payroll, and look where they are this year. I mean, the so Astros too are also like their third highest payroll right. with some of the best stars in the game, and through a combination of bad luck and maybe the baseball gods cursing him, they are they're still probably making the playoffs, but. They are three games ahead of the Seattle Mariners, and the Seattle Mariners have a three-game series with them coming up. <laughs> yep. Do you um? So the Rays clinched. Yes. Do, 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 what what does it look like for the Yankees right now, looking ahead to the playoffs? So the Yankees currently would have a date with Minnesota because okay. um, I think they have the, the they're, they're in four or five games because um, they're both in second place, so that works out. The Yankees not going to have beaten Minnesota. Uh, like a ridiculous number of uh, <laughs> baseball games in a row. We actually, I just remember last year, I was at your house when they beat Minnesota in the playoffs yeah. with Tadaka on the bound to go there. Um, that being said, I'm not too keen because, you know, like I don't want to tempt fate. I would. There is, uh, I, think, I mean, you know, Tanaka's had great numbers against Tampa Bay and he got roughed up the worst by any team of them this year. So, you know, like take nothing for granted. And Nelson Cruz at 40 years old is just swinging a hot bat right now. Like, he, I'm, I'm rooting for him to be the like. I'm a Yankees fan. I love Luke Voigt, but I'm rooting for Nelson Cruz. I think to get the get the MVP award this year, just because like when you are hitting for power and average at 40 years old as a DH, um, you really, really that, that, that's something special. I mean, Nelson Cruz's fucking numbers, man. Right this this year are they're just it's phenomenal. Like he is hitting a 320 average, and he's been an everyday player. Um, and but with that 320 average, he has 16 home runs and 32 runs batted in. Yep. <laughs> it's like, and the guy is old. <laughs> it's impressive. It is. It I is, love it. It is, it is definitely impressive. Um, <sighs> I don't know enough about the individual players this year to make those kind of pronouncements, but I will take your word for it uh, on the subject of who should win MVP. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, like, and the flip side of it, you know, like in terms of like, I mean, Luke Voigt's having this amazing season. Um, although, I mean, in terms of considerations, uh, I think this also is just because they've been murdering the Blue Jays right now. But um, uh, Luke Voigt has a lower average of 283, but he has 20 home runs and get this 46 runs batted in. Oh, wow. 46. <laughs> People get on base and then this like beefy, beefy man just like slams it in. Uh, gosh, someone needs to clip that and just use that. As a... <laughs> I'm a child. Use it as their MVP voting. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> Yeah. So we've been talking a lot about looking ahead to, you know, who's the best of the year and talking about the postseason. So why don't we jump ahead to 
um, some of the postseason news and updates since we last spoke, which wasn't that long ago. Yeah, no, that, for sure. Uh, what's so? What's this news? Uh, just about the 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 postseason and how it's getting handled. And, yeah, yeah. Do you want to go into that, Dan? Sure. So the, finally, have an agreement with the players in the league uh, for the 2020 playoffs, which is following a similar methodology to the NBA and the NHL, and that they're going to have neutral site bubbles for the playoffs, uh, assuming an effort to prevent there from being outbreaks. And then, you know, the playoffs are a, a bigger deal than regular season games. So to have issues with, due to COVID is probably not ideal. So this is their solution. And it looks like they're going to be, they're going to separate it by AL and NL as far as where those sites are. So there'll be a couple, um, in uh, Texas for the NL. It looks like in California for the AL. Um, with the World Series hosted at um, in Arlington, the Globe Life Field. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, we talked about in the beginning whether it would have been possible to bubble the regular season. Uh, and I am glad that everybody seems to be on board with bubbling the playoffs. I think that this whole situation where in the beginning uh, folks were, you know, there were outbreaks that were making it so that games weren't played and teams had to play these ridiculous long stretches of games in a row. And knock on wood, it seems to have worked. But at the end of the day with that, uh, I think teams really, really, really just want to, to have a playoffs, which is where a lot of people pay attention to baseball. I mean, let's be real. It's just like, it's a, what we going? I was gonna say, well, not everybody is a fan of it. Oh, interesting. So that's what Mr. Judge said today. Give me that. So, <laughs> because because our our podcast has a Yankees edge to it, let's get uh, Judge's opinion on it, which is to say he is not a fan of the playoff bubble format. I'm not a fan of it. Not a fan of the bubble. Not a fan of the whole setup. Like I said before, it doesn't really reward a team for going out and winning. There's really no home field advantage anymore. If you're telling me whoever is in first place can win as many games as they want, but they're only going to get those first three games, that little series at home, then I'm not a fan of that. Um, to kind of be put into a bubble before the playoffs and during the whole thing, I felt we've kind of already been doing that this whole season, and now we're all kind of getting taken away from our families to go do this. I am not a fan of it. So we'll see how it plays out. It's not going to change how we approach it, what we want to do and what we want to accomplish in the year, but dot, 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 I'm not a fan. Well, that's about as harsh a thing as you're going to see from a Yankees player um, uh, on, on, any so, <laughs> on, nearly, on nearly any subject, although right. to, the, to its credit, um, uh, uh, and I don't know if this happened before this year, like the, the Yankees have been very, quite supportive, have been quite open about having their players and managers speak far more harsh things about police brutality thank goodness right. um but in general it's kind of like the easy way not to cause that kind of rise of media but like especially judge who's very much mr yankee about that sort of thing but uh yeah it's interesting that he he put his dislike of it i mean it, it sounds like a he wants to be near his family and he feels that there have been like the yankees would haven't had any outbreaks um i think they feel like we got the system down where and he wants to be in his family. And also, I mean, let's be right. Even, even when you are, uh, 
even with no fans, I would say that playing in a park like Yankee Stadium or Fenway gives you an advantage because there's weird little shit um, that you can take advantage <laughs> of it. That may be the same with every park, but I know that people, that, that Red Sox players know to, how to play and use the monster to their advantage, and Yankees players know how to use that flipping front porch. There are home runs that DJ LeMahieu will make because he has like amazing eyes and hands and he knows how to just like measure out that flipping front porch. Um, it's what like the answer said that he did last night with his home run and like it was pretty clear. Yep, just popped out, popped out of the, whole, the short prudge with a, basically a line drive. Uh, yeah. But that being said, I mean, you know, at the end of the day, yeah, the Yanks haven't had outbreaks, but there were outbreaks with multiple teams and what it's been seeming is that everyone's been responsible and yes, I feel that in general, I think that Nagawood masking has been really helpful in our society. Uh, I think that people are beginning to get it, but we're still in the middle of this pandemic. And the last thing I want to see as a fan and as a human being is an outbreak at the World Series. And right. the bubble, and I mean, the bubbles worked for basketball. And it seems like it should, Nagawood, be able to work for baseball and... I would prefer that they uh, that they able to go through this where everybody is able to be safe, and where we can have a World Series champion at the uh, at the end of this. Right, and I, I think the one place where it's starting to take a toll, especially it seems like with the basketball players, is that they've been at it for so long. Now the difference is, they were at it before even the playoffs began, when things were a bit more uncertain. So they've been at it for a good portion of the regular season and the playoffs mm. with these fairly long series seven game you know best of seven series and i think it's starting to take its toll on the players and the staff and just they've been cooped up for months and months and months in this mm. place away from their families um yeah so uh, with a slightly shorter visit then maybe it'll be different um but yeah it'll be interesting i, I think the big point is the one you brought up already barra which is about the the advantage on home field being so special with baseball because unlike pretty much any other sport I can think of the it really does matter where you play uh, when it comes to baseball um, given just the fan interaction and how it you know works with the park but also like you said the, the makeup of the park and if I'm a Red Sox and I'm the Red Sox organization I'm getting people who are going to hit well at Fenway Park with the Green Monster, exactly the way it is. No, I think so. Yeah. So I think it's a little fun, funky to kind of take that advantage away. Like I'm sure the Yankees do the same thing with their players. Oh, of course, and people, there are the players who can take advantage of the short pro arch. Uh, front porch, I think, are I assume they're scouted, but even if they're not, I think that they learn how to take advantage of that. Um, at the same time, you know, as a fan, I think that it is also kind of exciting where, like, these people are going to be playing at neutral sites where uh, there is – where people aren't going to have that advantage. They're essentially just going to have to uh, figure it out on their own, which, you know, creates for interesting situations. I mean, you know, uh, the, the Toronto went to town when uh, on the Yankees when they hosted them in Buffalo in, in Buffalo. Um, the Yankees have never seen that ballpark before. I never had Toronto, but it's like – it's an it's it's going to be interesting to see who can who can adapt the who can adapt the most and uh, and thrive in this format. Yeah, I, I will say that the, the one thing I do like about it when it, and this relates to the NHL and the NBA mm. is that it really does 
beyond the experience in the park being a very crucial factor here. I'm not going to downplay that. The These teams are at a neutral site. There is no advantage. Now, the problem with that too, though, to Judge's point, is that if you are the Los Angeles Lakers and you've just spent all this time getting into first place, and I'm picking on the NBA because it's already been in action and we're seeing it. Play no, out. but I mean, it's still, it, it, it's, it's valid because they've done it. Right. We've now, we've, we've broken our backs to get first place, to get an advantage. And now we're going to play the eighth seed Portland Trailblazers, but they, there's no advantage for us in, in, in doing that. Like all we've done is proven that we're the better team. Yeah, I mean, I do think that there is an advantage to being able to not have to face your stiffest competition until the final portion of the sea of of the playoffs, hypothetically. Yeah, I mean, I think that that is. I think being able to have a potentially weaker schedule at the beginning, there is value to that. But yes, it it drops off a cliff um, because yeah, that that home field advantage in baseball is so huge. Yep, oh. and I would agree with that with anywhere. Um, but with baseball, it's a little different because of the makeup of the parks. Yeah. So we'll see what happens. Um, we will. Uh, it's definitely going to be interesting. Uh, in terms of the, in terms of who's getting in, you know, Tampa Bay's clinched it, uh, and I would. Uh, the Yankees are well on their way. They're in second place, um, and also have like you know they lead any other team that would be in the possible uh, that in those two possible like wild card considerations. Um, Toronto, the two wildcard teams right now are Toronto at 26 and 23, Cleveland at 27 and 23. Uh, and then people in the division are the White Sox who clinched and the Rays who clinched. And, uh, of course, in Oakland who has not clinched yet, but, uh, is, has a healthy 31, 19 or healthy 31 and 19. Uh, the second place in the West is Houston, 25 and 25. But as you said, Seattle's 22 and 28 and uh, has the ability with uh, if they can just get through the get past the Padres and Houston have some what let's they have a three game season, they're um uh they, uh they 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 have a they have a three game lead um they are actually another four and a half games back so things would have to turn out pretty pretty well for them but it's doable similarly uh the Baltimore Orioles are five games back from from getting into the mix and. Uh, so is the uh, uh, our five games back from getting into the mix, and I think Detroit also has like an uh, Detroit and Kansas City have weird outside chances, uh, but uh, but yeah, it's a it's for the most part I think the most interesting thing to be watching right now in the playoffs in terms of who makes it in is whether Houston can it, it is whether Houston chokes and in uh, in Seattle is able to sneak in. Uh, All right. So we'll we'll see on that, uh, but but yeah no but it actually you know it does look like it's a three games back so yeah if like they can if Houston chokes and Seattle makes it in that's uh that that is going to be uh, that that that'll be fascinating but uh we'll we'll just have to we'll just have to see about see about that uh, National League uh, I do not follow the National League a ton uh, the L A Dodgers clinched yeah. Mookie Betts made a good decision. <laughs> I um, well, here's the thing though. I yeah. mean, Mookie Betts made a good decision. I also think LA made a good decision. Yes, um, I th- I think it has a big part to do with it. Um, personally, 
uh, with the Red Sox performance this year and the LA Dodgers performance. I know the LA Dodgers are already a good team, but I think it, I think it, uh, I think it has a lot to do with it. And when I saw that news come up a couple of days ago, I was sending it around to people, obviously, you know, because of course the, the headline picture too is like Mookie Betts, like smiling and hanging out with his team. So, right. And, you know, we've talked about this a lot. And man, I think John could also could, uh, could use could subtitle this thing like the Tanaka cast uh, with why the Red Sox are fucking stupid to get rid of Mookie Betts. <laughs> but we're going to go down this road again because, uh, you know, he is more than the, he's more than just his stellar, probably Hall of Fame uh, stats on the field. He is someone who is a leader and who inspires people. And, you know, the Dodgers were a good team, but he seems to be doing well and they seem to be gelling and having fun. And, like, you know, like you gain a lot more with Mookie Betts in your clubhouse than just his the than just his yeah. bat and his frankly excellent defensive skills and his durability. I mean, let's also remember that. There's a lot of great players who get hurt a lot. Knock on wood, that's not Mookie Betts. Right. <laughs> just well let me in the play. spirit of rivalry, uh-huh. let me ask this. Do you think there's a world where the in this stand, this series that we have starting tonight? that the Red Sox do everything in their power to spite the Yankees and, like, beat them in the throughout, through the entire series? And does that impact anything? Uh, there is impact. Uh, if the Red Sox were to sweep the Yankees, uh, that would... Uh, they So, all things considered, let's say, that, that gives Toronto the chance to climb back into it, and then that makes that Toronto series really, really high stakes. Um, yeah. It's not, they're not, because they're in second place and have a decent, uh, and, and are decently positioned for, for that second wildcard spot. And I, what I don't think it like can truly lay, it'll take a lot more mess ups for them to fall out of actual playoff contention, but it's a, it's a very real, it's a, they, they, they could still mess around with them. And I would like to think in the spirit of, you know, like the rivalry that the Red Sox will give us a fight. But just the last few times, they've just seemed so. We find them. It's just like we said. It's just like it's. It's no fun. They just. They, I don't know where this team's fight is, and that's uh, for the Red Sox, and that's uh, that's disappointing because even if it's a coming, what's that? You think it's the, coming. You, the you, fight is coming tonight, baby. You think the so you think the Red Sox are going to like gain the fire in their belly for this like. For their one Fenway series against the against the uh, against the Yankees, where they're gonna turn it on. Oh, you know it. It's over. I mean, you know what? If that happens, <laughs> good. I still hope they sweep the Sox, but I hope they sweep the Sox in close, interesting games. I mean, I'm for it. I am. I am for an interesting and fun Red Sox series that we can that, that we can talk about. Uh, uh, I mean, they, they they did see that they're seeing that the that you the there's this young kid that you brought up who won a game, which is cool. Um, like, so I think it sounds like maybe the Sox are beginning to use this as like an actual opportunity to do development. But uh, yeah. I mean, have you seen anything encouraging from Red Sox land at the moment? Aside from no. your your burning belief that this is going to happen, I sound like a dick. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I haven't seen anything to suggest that the Red Sox are going to do anything other than totally lose the series but i just think it'd be funny if they if they 
if they did nothing all season except to spite the Yankees at the end and win a three-game series. I mean, that would totally be vintage Red Sox-Yankees, yeah. and it would be... Like, <laughs> I don't want the Yankees to be swept whatsoever, but also, I mean, it would just be like, what a storyline of just, like, the Red Sox couldn't get their shit together, and then they got their shit together. Uh, it's not totally like our major league Baltimore Orioles. Uh Sadly, it does not look like they're making the playoffs. Oh, no. Although, that being said, if the Yankees sweep Toronto, and there is a world where if Baltimore plays well and the Yankees still beat up on Toronto, the the Major League Orioles still make it in. But uh, it's not looking very good right now. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Agreed. The the uh, it is not looking good, but that would be pretty funny. Yeah, it would be uh, anyway. gonna be hilarious. Um, no, so but in, in the West, I mean, too though is is like you know the Dodgers may have clinched, but uh, they haven't clinched the division title. And like here come the freaking Slam Diego Padres, where I think they're having a. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I you gotta freaking love the Padres, man. They're gonna be fun to watch in the postseason. Uh, they are they're a dynamic team. They have the unstoppable force of Mitchie Two Bags with them. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's Mitch Moreland for those of you who don't speak yeah. Bostonese. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be a really really entertaining. Uh, you know, from the Central, we're gonna the Cubbies are in it again, of course. Uh, looks like Cincinnati's going to be the number two team, uh, you know, with a revived Sunny Gray. But, like, my gosh, is the NL Central look dog shit outside of them. I mean, like, it's 25 and 26, and Cincinnati's in second place, uh, which means that St. Louis at 22 and 24 is very much still alive. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, you know, the East uh, looks like Atlanta's going to take it, but. Miami's 25 and 23, and right behind them is Philadelphia at 24 and 25. So maybe, just maybe, Bryce Harper is going to after is going to make the postseason this year. What's the what do you think the percent chances of that? Bryce Harper making the postseason? Yep. Fairly decently high because they just have to finish second place in the East, and they're only like a half game back. They're like. They're 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 very the wild card. Actually, I think it looks like they're tied for the know, like they're twenty four and twenty five. The Miami's twenty five and twenty three. So that's definite possibility that they can catch Miami. I give them twenty percent. Twenty percent. You think that it's just the twenty percent chance Bryce Harper makes it? Yeah, I think the Karma Gods are still like like getting him. Like he leaves for Philadelphia, and then the Nats win it. <laughs> the Nats win everything. <laughs> although, although the Nat- the Nats got it bad this year, so who the hell knows? Yeah, no, the Nats are in a terrible position right now. Um, yeah, we don't know what the heck happened there. That was that's sad um, because it's also not like the Nats won and then just did a fire sale. Like they they spent money. They're like, okay, let's. It, they, they were acting like a team trying to defend, and then they just fell off this cliff. Yep. Um, and I think Scherzer's even been pitching well. It's just been they've been hit by the Mets disease, yep. <laughs> which yep. the Mets could still tactically do it because they're twenty three and twenty seven. And again, this is just like a lot of a lot of bad baseball seems to be being played in the National League, <laughs> unless you're in the West, and that's why uh, the San Francisco Giants of all teams are look. 
are in uh, are in wildcard position right now. Um, yep. Actually, oh shit! Wow. So we're gonna sound silly, but I think uh, yeah, no, Philadelphia is. I think Philadelphia is actually in. Uh, I think they're in the play. I, I I think they're currently slotted into the playoffs right now, because uh, yeah, they're slotted into the playoffs because at twenty four and twenty five, the only team in third place that's doing better than them is the Giants at twenty five and twenty four. So Bryce Harper is making the playoffs in a losing team currently. Uh, and so, yeah, the New York Mets have the ability to stop Bryce Harper, which maybe that means we're going to see the Mets as the eighth seed in there. Uh, wow. Gosh. What the heck is happening with the National League? Because, yeah, if you look into the American League and stuff, uh, there is a... Oh, is it, uh, is it just... Well, the Central's playing... The Central has three teams that are pretty... That are three, The Central has three teams that are above 500, two of which are well above, like... It's the White Sox and the Twins are 31 and 33 wins apiece and in a dogfight for that division. Uh, in the AL East, no surprise, you always have generally at least three good teams. Toronto, New York, and Tampa Bay are all above 500. And Toronto's above 500 even after losing uh, three straight. Uh, then, just, just in the West, you have one team above 500, and then you have Houston at 500. So you have one, two, three, four. Oh no! Oh yeah, and all and also Cleveland's above five. It's like one, six. You have seven teams above. So you have seven teams playing above five hundred baseball in the AL in the American League, as opposed to one, two, three, four, five, six teams. I, so I, I guess it's just a little better distribute. I guess it's just. Well, also, I guess Miami's above five hundred, but they're twenty-five and twenty-three. Um, so it's. So I guess the National League is not playing that much worse baseball than the American League at the moment, but it is uh, there. They it, there definitely seems to be uh, seems seems to be outside of the West less teams with with particularly hot hands. Yep. All right. Yeah, the anyways, Orioles have uh, a one, the Orioles for, for your for your information. The Orioles have a one point one percent chance to make the playoffs statistically right now. Nice, nice. Uh, what are what? What's Bryce? Where, where where are the Phillies' chances? Let's take a look. Right now, sixty four percent. So I'll give him twenty percent still. <laughs> the baseball gods smile not upon you, Bryce Harper. <laughs> they they frown deeply. Uh, so uh, the Tanaka said, "Do we want to take a look ahead to Tanaka's next start?" I think we shall, sir, Excellent. which is against the, the Blue, Jays. Blue Jays. It looks like Tuesday. Yeah, the Blue Jays again on Tuesday. Uh, you know, I think that at this point it's going to be, uh, you know, there is a chance that the Yankees can catch the Rays with luck. This is also going to be the Jays' last opportunity to catch the Yankees. Uh I know Boston could certainly give them a lot of help there too, so we will we will see how that all we will see how all, that all goes down. Uh, so you know it, the, the importance of the the importance of this game is going to vary, but it's certainly I think not one. I think he's going to definitely make his start for sure, um, and we'll see. I mean, like this has been a I would a pretty good campaign year for Massa. 
Uh, you know, he has this 3.27 ERA, 1.02 whip. Uh, he's battled back from getting hit in the literal head. Uh, still remains both like a clubhouse leader and beloved by the fans. I mean, I think it's really going to be interesting to see, A, knock on wood, like Yankees don't collapse on Iowa and they make the playoffs, how he performs there too, and whether it's going to set him up for a deal. But uh, I think he's been doing everything he needed in order to uh, make him attractive for the Yanks to extend him. Uh, and I think that there are definite reasons to do that. I mean, he's shown himself to be the number two pitcher behind Cole. And he's when you're number two behind Cole, that's very good because Cole has started to get amazing. And, you know, he has also those... Uh, this playoff reputation, which we'll see in Aquaman, if he can he can keep up. So, right. I think that this is going to be prob this is going to be you know like what his regular season stat line. It's probably going to be what is after this match because after after that the next game he can play because it's crazy enough, Dan. The season is almost over. Is literally go is uh would be the game against would be the the finale in Miami. And I think that they want would want him available for probably game two on the 30th of of that three-game series. Uh, that's what I imagine. I imagine you'll go Cole one, Tanaka two, Davey Garcia three, which case that's not enough rest time for him to even go into the third spot as the stopper, really, unless they want to have him on short rest. So, uh, yeah, I think that this will be interesting. To say, I mean, I think uh, my thought is that he pitches a solid stat line. He at least gets a quality start out of him, and uh, and we'll see if he and we'll see if he wants to uh, to sparkle if he can uh, sparkle a little magic. Uh, what are you thinking about uh, about this going forward? The only thing I think about this game is I'm curious how long he plays, and I think it's dictated by how the Yankees are doing at that point in time. Yeah, uh, when they get there. Yeah, if they are struggling, then for some reason, then. The um, if when well, you know once the Red Sox smoke them and sweep them in a three game series, um, he might be on for a little longer. But otherwise, maybe they give him a little bit of rest for the playoffs. Yeah, because uh, this will be definitely his last. I, I would think at this point his last start before yeah. the playoffs begin. I think it's getting at that point pretty close to the end of the season, right? Definitely. I think they give him. I think he gets the long. I think. Uh, I think he gets the long rest. Uh, I don't necessarily know. Uh, if they'll, I don't, I don't necessarily know though if they if they'll pull him early mainly because the combination of that philosophy and also that against the Jays when they had a nine three lead after the fifth where like you know of course you're gonna let your guy get the win they they then put him out for two more innings, um, right? Like and that was that was a game that where this pretty in hand you could begin to like hand it over to you, uh, over to your bullpen. Um, but so I'm just wor- wondering whether either through philosophy or maybe also it could also be very well possible that like Boone wants Tanaka comfortable going seven innings because that's what he wants him to do in the postseason. He wants right. him to be- go out, pitch seven, pitch seven innings, uh, uh, pitch seven innings, give it to Britton and Chapman and uh, uh, Britton and Chapman and then just uh, and then just rinse repeat. Right. I mean that would be the, that would be the goal. So we'll see what happens. Definitely, uh, it's going to be yeah, and it'll be it'll be fascinating. And yeah, the, and this series I think definitely is also going to change the tenor of it too because uh, there's no way they can give him rest um, if 
the Jays are threatening are seriously threatening them in this series, right. especially if they're if they're in somewhat do, somewhat do, somewhat danger. So I would imagine that if it's a big game, Aaron Boone will basically keep Masahiro Tanaka in there until it's seven innings and they have a ridiculous lead. Or if it's close, they he may just like keep him in there as long as it's not something which can be you know changed. Uh, as long as it's more than a one run lead. Uh, I think they will literally keep him in there until he gets into trouble. Because um, again, that's one of the things you can rely on Tanaka to do. Where it's just like, okay, if he's rolling, you can keep you can keep him rolling. And uh, yeah, so so it's a. I'm looking for I'm looking forward to seeing it and discussing it. Uh, and one thing that I love really am interested in discussing is uh, Tanaka's uh, latest tweet, or at least his latest <laughs> victory tweet. Yeah, absolutely. We can go through that real quick. So he says, I have pitched for the Blue Jays game. I was able to score my third win of the season with three goals and seven innings. Today is the offense after all. (laughs) And then this is my favorite part of the tweet. 19 home runs are too ugly in these three consecutive battles. No, I thought you were going to see. This is my favorite part of the tweet that you're about to read. Oh, after them. Oh, yeah. After the match, I moved to Boston. <laughs> Masahiro to the Red Sox confirmed. <laughs> let's actually let's date stamp this one in case something does happen. September eighteenth, twenty twenty. You've heard it first. Masahiro Tanaka to the Boston Red Sox. Tomorrow is also a match. Good night. <laughs> ZZ. Oh man. Well, well, I hope that move doesn't happen. The idea of like Masa moving next to you and Ash and then inviting you guys to play PUBG is delightful. <laughs> yes, he'll definitely, he'll Would definitely you like be right to next play to us in a Boston College apartment in Brighton, for sure. No, he's just going to like buy the house across the street from you. <laughs> Masa lives humbly. <laughs> Good night. Oh, man. Stite rubs are too ugly in these consecutive battles. <laughs> so, yeah. No, it's a... Uh, it's going to be... Inter- it's uh, I'm curious to see what his tweet's going to be is uh, going to be uh, after after this next one. Hopefully it's good and entertaining and absolutely lovely. Uh, and yeah, these playoffs are going to be wild. And by the time we uh, record the next one i think we're gonna have a very clear idea of who's in there i mean barring i mean definitely i think there will be teams still going for positioning but in terms of who's in and who's out it's probably going to be pretty clear unless i think like uh at least in the american league i think there's going to be crazy national league stuff whether bryce harper's dreams are crushed or not and certainly there is uh the big drama of like who's in and who's out in the American League. Agamwood seems mostly like do the Mariners find a way to do something improbable and break the curse while their city, while their while their state is on fire, um, mm-hmm. to no fault of the great state of Washington. Fuck climate change. Yeah. So, do you have anything you wanna you wanna go over and speak to before uh, we let uh, let our folks go? I think we can let them go. So, and when you do go, consider and as oh. you go consider going to spoilermedia.net slash TanakaCast to see more of our thoughts, or hear more of our thoughts, rather. You can't really see them very well. And uh, go to uh, Apple Podcasts or Spotify or Stitcher or any of your podcast things. The TanakaCast is there as well. Uh, I'm sure we will be back in touch 
probably middle of next week uh, following Tanaka's start on Tuesday. And you can hear more thoughts from us then as we'll have a clearer picture of the playoff race. So thanks, Barra, as always, for your time. And, and uh, you. I will talk to you soon. All right. Have a good one, guys. Take care.